And welcome back, listeners. Another episode of Escape from Plan A for you. I'm your host, Chris. Uh, we had a little hiatus over Thanksgiving, uh, which in which um, we forewent the bonus episode. Which, if you only if you're not a subscriber, you wouldn't have known. And if you're not a subscriber, well, why the hell aren't you? You can go to <laughs> Patreon.com/PlanAMag for five dollars a month. You can get bonus episodes, become part of our Discord, and just generally support our mission. So I'm your host, Chris, as I said. I'm here joined by Philip. What's up, Philip? Hey, Chris. How you doing? Just the two of us this week. I guess everyone's recovering from their turkey OD. <laughs> so uh, glad to be here with you, Philip. And uh, our discussion today will revolve around mainly two videos that gained a lot of circulation, especially among Asian Americans, um, probably Asians all over the world, actually. Uh, in the lead up to Thanksgiving, the first was the, the fight in Astro World in which basically uh, the Yellow Hulk, as I like to call him, uh, <laughs> came out of nowhere and beat the living hell, and, and him and his friends. Uh, this, uh, I think the guy was Latino. I mean, I don't, I don't want to like, not that it matters a ton what the race of that guy was, but I think he was Latino. He was just like talking shit. He was like throwing stuff. Uh, I've heard claims that it was a cup full of piss, but you know who can believe anything on the internet these days? And I remember Asians just being like so happy. They were like, yeah, there was that Instagram post. I think it was on Jackfruit. And I saw a Lisa <laughs> Link post like, oh, yeah, I love him. And I thought it was really funny. I posted that on my Twitter. Uh, but then that was uh, shortly after that was followed up by that horrific uh, assault on the uh, Asian American uh, female high schooler by this gang of um, like uh, black teens. Uh, some I think were preteens. I think I, I read this article. One of the moms said her, her daughter was in the group. And she was only 12. And mm -hmm. just like, maybe she wasn't one of the ones who really like let the assault, but goddamn. And then there, a lot of people were not only at the assault, which I think was horrible, but I, I think people kind of, I mean, it's bad to say they expected it, but that wasn't terribly new. But to see that, I think there were like four uh, teenage boys there who were initially getting kind of like harassed and, and kind of like slapped and stuff like that, that they didn't do anything. I think that brought out a lot of just shame and anger from Asian Americans, especially yeah, the Asian American men, because I think they saw the worst of them in those boys. Uh, so we'll we'll talk about that and just this whole thing of you know Asians fighting back or lack thereof and and what why the hell that is. Uh, but before that, uh, I mentioned um, the rest of our podcasters seem to be still uh days after this thanksgiving or something so philip how was your thanksgiving it's appropriate that the two canadian members of the team are the ones who are like doing the thanksgiving episode right did yeah. you do something i mean you're in new york right so did I, you celebrate? I hosted my first ever thanksgiving oh uh, yeah well this wasn't your christmas thing like your movie screening right? this is like a just a dinner yeah uh yeah i decided to cook you know full turkey stuffing mashed potatoes you know, the classics. Nice. And this delicious, very popular kale and leek gratin that I got from Allison Roman. That proved to be very popular because I wanted to have a green dish, but I also wanted to... <laughs> yeah, you didn't, you didn't want to spread of just like brown and yellow, right? Well, well, but I didn't want to make a salad. Like, who the hell wants salad? Mm. So, because I was planning on making mac and cheese and a salad. I'm like, this kind of is a combination. It's green, it's cheese, it's baked. And that was very good. And it was fun, but I got to tell you, I was like, quite stressed. I wasn't stressed like preparation because a lot of it is done leading up to the day. You mm -hmm. brine the turkey. You can even uh, make the stuffing like in, in you know, way hours before in the morning. 
But leading up to, you're like, okay, the, the thermometer of the turkey reads the right temperature, but you know, what if there's like a big hunk of like raw meat inside? Yeah. The stuffing wasn't quite as like kind of crispy on the outside as I would have liked. And you know, the guests arrived, they're all having a good time, and I'm in the kitchen just like kind of toiling um, away. Yeah. Uh, and th- that was the bad part. I was just I was just nervous. It was my first time making any of these dishes. Yeah. But now next time I'll be a lot more confident because everything turned out well. Nice. And very good. What about you? Because you, did you even celebrate like our Thanksgiving where you are? Or yeah, well, we I I did uh, Canadian Thanksgiving. What did I do? It was like my but that would have been in place. October. Yeah, it's in October. And then usually what I do for American Thanksgiving the last few years is I uh, well pre COVID was we do like a friendsgiving thing. So my my close friends here in Toronto would like use the American Thanksgiving weekend as like an excuse to get together and we do a potluck and the host would do a turkey and everyone else would bring sides and stuff. Um, I would I would usually try to cook like a like an Asian riff on a traditional uh, Thanksgiving side. Like I'll do like you know kung pao cauliflower uh, or kung pao um, oh yeah Brussels sprouts, uh, which always gets um, more attention than like <laughs> the dry turkey and stuff. So. Um, but this year yeah, we didn't yeah, do it. Yeah, Last year yeah. we didn't do it. We we um, well this year we we did a friendsgiving, but we did it earlier. We did it kind of like at the very end of October, just because we wanted to do it kind of outdoors because of COVID and stuff. Just trying to be a bit safe, so we want to do it during more reasonable weather. So we just did some like you know group takeout and so on. So, but this weekend not yeah. a whole lot. Um, I took some days off because like everyone else at work in my American company are off too. Um, yeah, went to a cousin's. Um, uh, housewarming, uh, you know, just hung around a little bit here, you know, some health stuff, not, not a whole lot going on. I think uh, the, the weekend was mostly like being Omicron watch because <laughs> oh. the, the, um, that whole, you know, new strain has, has been talked about quite a bit since Thursday. Um, so that was, that was kind of like grabbing my attention this weekend. Yeah. You tweeted something about, uh, let the memes, uh, pour forth. And I think a lot of people, uh, referred to Omicron Percy 8, which is from Futurama. That's right. I don't know how many people... Uh, first thing I thought of was the like 1998 uh, computer game, Omicron The Nomad Soul. I don't know how many people... Yeah, you, you posted a picture of that on my my um, post about with a picture of Lur from Futurama. And I was like, I don't know. I have no idea what this thing is. Like, is yeah, this a video you, game? you have like, to be a hell? real 90s PC gamer to know that. <laughs> I tried playing that game a few years ago. It is really... It, it, it was like one of those very early ambitious open world type of games. I won't go too much into it because this is like nerd talk. But uh, it, it was... Very, you know, it's noteworthy that it tried something really cool. But didn't have the technology to pull it off. Mm. But I'm sure we'll we'll maybe have another episode. Because I don't think anyone knows what the hell is going on with this uh, Omicron thing. So let's just, uh, let's just table that for now. Yeah. Before we head into the main topic, a couple of things I want to talk about. Just because I think it's really funny. Uh, yesterday, I find out uh, so this whole like stupid uh, Shang Chi Simu Liu thing that keeps <laughs> echoing throughout history. The I think, gift that keeps on giving. I think these people's brains are still in a sling because they're still broken from the fact that Shang Chi was a success and they can't let it go. These so people are in like Asian blue checks who don't like. Yeah, I mean, Simu. every yeah. people listen know who we're talking about. Yeah. I, we're gonna refer to someone specific later who tweeted something, but anyway, um. He had, I think Simu Liu had retweeted one of those like, you know, subtle Asian traits memes about, so the picture was, uh, if anyone's seen Shang-Chi the movie, there's a part where uh, Shang-Chi's mom tells little Shang-Chi when he's a little boy, like, I'm proud of you. And then the thing is like the most unrealistic uh, moment in Shang-Chi. I saw that meme. I was like mildly annoyed just because I know that's a very 
common. It's a very SAT type of humor. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I, I just think of my experience, not that my experience trumps all, but you know, my parents aren't particularly a abnormal, par- uh, you know, Korean or Asian parents. And they constantly told me they were proud of me. They're growing mm-hmm. up. So I feel like this is one of those easy, uh, slam- I don't even want to say slam dunk because who honestly really laughs at these, but it's just so low level. I just thought the main offense is that it's lame. It's not like offense, but you know, I was like, come on, like we can, we can be funnier. This is just lame. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very overdone SAT, you know, kind of joke that we're all kind of aware of, right? There's no, there's almost no point in having commentary about it because we all kind of get what they're, they're getting at. Right. And then, uh, but then um, some people decided to, I think they were more motivated by the fact that Simu Liu had uh, retweeted it. I think and so. And they decided yeah. to get self-righteous about it. So this, uh, this person, writer Frankie Huang, tweeted, okay, so she tweets, uh, the problem with these stern Asian parent tropes is that they get so much more exposure to nuanced, humanizing narratives that balance them out in the same space. They encourage people to think of Asian parents as cruel, obsessive idiots who don't understand emotions. And I think that is true. That is what I thought as well. Mm-hmm. But this is the same Frankie Huang who, in September 15th, 2021, tweeted, Someday I will gather the courage to write about why many Asian women are afraid slash weary of dating Asian men and how it has to do with the shit we have seen in our families and communities and how it is often about survival and self-love. It's not about who we choose, but who we avoid. Okay, so you're saying that Asian parents, Asian families are so bad that that their sons, you know, us, like Asian American men, are just somehow tainted just by association. Even if we're not like that, it's um, our families, we're just so... It's it's the it's like the, the stink of our families is so overbearing that this is about survival and we need to avoid it, basically Asian parents. The same person who says that is now getting uh, on her pedestal to talk about how dare SAT or Simuli or any of these people poke fun of Asian parents. Like get the, get the hell out of here! Um, you have zero credibility, and they're essentially saying the only people who get to slander Asian parents is us. I'm like hell no! Like as I said. You have no leg to stand on here. Yeah, that wasn't even that wasn't even the the uh, hypocrisy that I thought of when I saw this tweet about this uh, this meme from her. I actually thought about this tweet that she made where she said, "Hey, if there's any people out there, like Asians out there, who've had experiences with like crappy food, you know, like stinky lunch stories, basically, please reach out to me and I want to publish you." Mm-hmm. Right. So she's you know, in this tweet from today or from yesterday, she's claiming that. There's too much attention given to these tropes, yet she solicited those tropes herself as a professional writer and gatekeeper, honestly, right, uh, from other folks. So that that was a part that I thought that was quite hypocritical. Yeah, and you know, do, do you say this crowd, her, her and her friends, they've uh, like they've made a living uh, on this idea that they are these like freed, uh, you know, Asian Americans who escaped the the clutches and backwardness of their Asian American families and communities. Uh, that's a very bad trope. That's a very even dangerous trope, as we'll, we'll get to later when, when we talk about the, the Arthur Martunovich murders. murders. I mean, he, he's the one who did the murdering, uh, just to make it clear, the, the mm-hmm. Brooklyn Hammer guy. They're the ones propagating this message and, and profiting off of it. And, and for them to take, to pretend they're like the guardians of of our Asian parents and stuff, as I said, shut the fuck up. You know, right. no and and this, the second someone they dislike, Simu Liu in this case, um, you know, comes out and says something that they would otherwise say or supports something that they would otherwise say, they, they flip-flop on their stance, right? 
yeah. just to make a point. So yeah, it's, it's very, like only we may say that. You yeah. may not say that. It's it's very annoying, and, and I'm actually kind of just like about as annoyed about having to fucking defend Simu Liu all the time. Like I don't think we're particularly big stands of his at Plan A. Like you know we've we've criticized him as well for all sorts of dumb stuff he's done too. But time and time again, this crowd of blue checks on Twitter who come out and and talk shit about him, and then we'll have to say something about the you know the hypocrisy behind their. Uh, their statement so it's just yeah. getting very tiring <laughs> yeah i mean i enjoy shang chi i think he was good in it um sure. i don't look to him as some kind of guiding role model right but he's very tri- but he's become very triggering to them now he's a symbol right like he and and really they should be criticizing south asian traits and the, that kind of group of boba libs or whatever you want to call them that perpetuate these ideas but i think they they don't care about that group but they do care about simi lu you know going well viral. i i think they care more about I mean, I think they do care about subtle Asian Twitter. They always attack it for being this racist, misogynist site, which is funny because you get like the the angry Asian guys attacking uh, SAT as as the, this like haven of man hating, <laughs> whatever, like Asian man hating people. So they get it from all sides. But uh, uh, Simu Liu is, is the much more threatening target, and we have documented history of them having an irrational uh, fear and hatred of them going back several years. So. Uh, you know, as I said, uh, they're just taking L after L uh, in this latter part of 2021. And it's funny. It's amusing to, to watch him flail like this. Anyway, uh, don't listen to that bullshit. Uh, they have, as I said, zero credibility. Next issue, <laughs> this thing that uh, NBA player uh, Ennis Cantor, <laughs> who has very recently decided to become the, the spokesperson of this marriage between like liberal hawks and hard right Americans. He's become basically very anti-China. And um, for some reason, he's just making some pretty wild statements. I mean, recently he accused Michael Jordan of uh, not helping the black community. I think he just hadn't gotten any news about Michael Jordan since maybe like the 2000s. Because remember, Michael Jordan had the reputation of being the you know Republicans to buy shoes too guy. But actually, I think sometime in the last decade, Michael Jordan has done a 180 in that regard and has actually... Uh, given a ton of money to black organizations. I thought his his criticism of, of Michael Jordan recently was that he was using like Uyghur labor or whatever for issues in China. Was no, that- no, no. He said uh, Michael Jordan has done nothing for the black community. And a okay. lot of black people got upset at that. Uh, I mean, they, black people might have their issues with Michael Jordan, but it's like, who the hell are you to, to say anything? And he was like objectively wrong uh, on that count. Anyway, um, <laughs> he has decided to name himself uh, Freedom. So he's now Ennis Cantor Freedom. Which is so ridiculous that I now have to suspect, is he some kind of double agent where he's actually uh, trying to discredit the, the whole side that supports him? Because this is such a ridiculous move. Is this an anti-China thing? Like, is it about him? Because he did this in conjunction with him getting American citizenship today, right? It was like a big ceremony and thing about oh, it. Oh, is that? Okay. Name. That's right. Yeah. And I was wondering if the, the name change was about him sticking it to China by by expressing how free a place America is and how he decided to take up residence here, you know, from uh, coming from his native, where is he from? Turkey. Turkey, Turkey, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and like, uh, you know, he is, uh, like before all this, his main activism was against uh, Erdogan, but he uh, he's mm-hmm. um, he's got his own shady ties. Uh, other people know much more than me, but uh, go look it up. But um, I don't know. It's just like if you're trying to do this to stick it to China, it's such a self-own because now you've undercut any credibility you have. You just look like a clown. Um, But anyway, the only reason I wanted to talk about this really is that I saw some very funny jokes on the (laughs) NBA subreddit that I want to share with you. Great. 
Some of them were <laughs> just like imagining headlines. So everyone knows about uh, the player Kevin Love, right? Any basketball fan. So uh, people were like, you know, the Boston Celtics are in talks to trade freedom for love, <laughs> which I thought was funny. Um, another one was the Boston Celtics have traded freedom for cash considerations. And then a reply was, haven't we all? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, no, I, I thought the funniest one was, oh, oh that that's funny. That's what opposing centers have been saying uh, for the last decade when playing against them. Because Cantor has a very uh, deserved reputation for being a total defensive sieve. Like he cannot, he's like one of the worst defensive players in the league. Even oh, he's, not actually, he's not actually a good player. Like he's only in the news because of all his like, at least maybe in our news because he's always talking about China shit. Well, the thing was, is he's always been like elite level uh, offensive rebounder and a pretty good scorer. But the problem is he, whatever gains you get on the offensive end with him, you give up way more on the defensive end. Because mm-hmm. I think he's just very slow. He's not very sharp in uh, reading uh, defensive assignments and stuff. So he's, especially in today's NBA where centers have to be mobile and all defend at least, I think, two, maybe even three positions. He's, he's like the 15th man, if that now, because he's, he can only play garbage time. Like when, so when so he, is, is there a sense that he's just like doing all this shit, like the China shit, this like, you know, the last name stuff, changing stuff to just get attention? Like what, what is this about? I mean, I've heard some reports that he's planning his post-playing career as some kind of, I guess... The guy who gets invited to like CPAC and yeah. uh, Liberal Hawk uh, symposiums. Uh, I mean, who knows? But anyway, he's not worth that talking about. I just thought uh, there were some clever little things uh, on the NBA subreddit. But all right, so let's transition into our, our main topic, which is, you know, more important. And all right, l- l- let's start talking about this this Asteroid fight, which already feels like so long time ago. I mean, remember when the, the Asteroid uh tragedy with that was you know, the same this- day right like if, if i don't know what the timeline was between this random fight and the the like the tragedy but was it like it felt like this was like earlier in the day or something because i oh uh, I... possibly i don't know i i don't really know the timing of the event it might have been on different days if it's like a multi-day festival i have no idea but yeah the the, the, the fight it's really funny because like there's some there's this this angle of the fight that I saw where it's kind of like right behind the the guy who was who instigated it. Mm-hmm. And from that angle, the, the yellow Hulk guy it looks like he just comes out of nowhere. Cause he like he like closed that distance so fast. Yeah, he flashes on the screen and just like pounds this guy down. Yeah. And when I first saw it, it really looked like just some random Asian dude just like ran just appeared out of nowhere, like some kind of phantom and 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 laid a beat down. And I just, I just remember like people just being so happy seeing that like finally somebody steps up. But you, you know, but he's, we've he's, seen he's infamously topless in the in the video, and he has like a massive back. Like he only does back day or something. <laughs> like he looks, and that's why that's why you're calling him the Yellow Hulk. Like he just looks. Huge, oh yeah, you know right? he had great pecs. That I mean, I, like you see him from the front coming in, and he just has like massive uh, yeah, shoulders yeah. and pecs. Yeah, they, and then you just see his back as he's like crushing this guy. So yeah, and I think at the end he even kind of like helps him up. Oh, does like, he? like a like a gentleman warrior. I guess. <laughs> uh, uh, what was the instigation? Was it that he the guy caught him like a chink or something? Right? Like, well, he like- for whatever reason he just he's like saying shit to them. He throws that cup of some mystery liquid. Ah, uh, okay. He he like gives him the finger and uh and he calls him like chinitos, which is mm. I don't exactly know how racist it is in Spanish, but I don't think it's yeah. polite, especially against people you don't know. You see posts sometimes of guys online saying like, oh, when I was like the only Chinese kid in a very like Latino neighborhood, 
being Cochinito was like kind of like a, a good thing. It was like you got recognized finally. So it, it is one of those terms that's, you know, it's not quite as, as bad as chink. It's, it's questionable, right, in context. Yeah, I think it's it's how it's used in context. So it's like if a friend calls you that, you're probably not going to flip right. out. Uh, right. But if a total stranger who is already talking to you, at you, it's not a compliment. And it's yeah. not an endearing term. That's right. And as I said, this is not the first instance we've seen Asians fight back. But, you know, we've seen so many videos of Asians just having to take it. And, and, and that's because a lot of people who get attacked are the elderly and women. You don't really expect them to... F- be able to fight back you don't you really don't see a lot of like able-bodied young asian men getting attacked uh from the videos i've seen so it's like it is the reason is that they're targeting the most vulnerable uh so this kind of felt like this you know if you want to mess with us mess with someone kind of like your own age gender uh etc so it was celebratory i mentioned uh it was like on jackfruit and, and the guy the guy who attacked even a few days later, he didn't exactly apologize, but he was like, you know, you violence is not the answer. Oh, the, really? I, wow. Okay. Well, yeah, he said, you know, I don't condone violence as the answer. And he, he reverted back. He reverted back to his like human Bruce Banner uh, side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. His statement. And if anything, it just makes you sound more badass. Like yeah. you're not just some roided out, whatever, uh, spaz. You actually can see clearly uh just mm-hmm. don't just don't act like a jerk and you'll get what what's coming to you and people were really happy about that uh but then i don't know how short how much shortly after you see the incident in the philly subway thing so do you do you want to in case people haven't seen the video because it's pretty bad um do you want to just kind of go over what exactly happens yeah and i'm kind of doing this from memory so i, I do suggest people who really want to see what happens watch the video and there are I think there's some some clips of it that's like cut with like some context missing, and there's some clips of it of the of the whole thing as well. But from what I recall, there's a group of um, you know teens, young teens, middle age, mid- middle school kids, um, black girls who are on a subway. No, they're more like Philly. high school because I, I I heard that all the girls were like 12 to 16. The boys they said they were in the ninth grade. I think they're 14. Okay. One of the moms said. Okay, so they're, they're between you and know the, junior high and high school, right? Yeah, like the girl who who got uh who got assaulted was eighteen. Oh really? Wow, the Asian girl who was assaulted. Also, uh, maybe we should have said this at the beginning, but there is a, a GoFundMe that's been started by the, the victims. I think her mother and brother, and uh, I donated to it. It's raised like almost eight hundred thousand dollars by now. So I mean, we'll put the link in our show notes. But if you haven't given, it's still open. Uh, please go and donate uh, because, you know, she she did what more and what every Asian should do in that situation. And it's like, yeah, she was, you know, like a, like a skinny 18 year old girl. But, you know, if there were like 10 of her that all stood up, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of. Um, yeah, it makes a big difference. It's right? a force multiplier. So, yeah. And, and if, if I recall, she was standing up because these these girls who attacked her were yelling at a couple of um, younger, I guess, Asian maybe boys uh yeah i think there were four of them i i I recently saw the video today i've seen like conflicting reports between three and four Mm -hmm. but i'm pretty sure there were four unless there was like one random asian kid who was just sitting with them and the video starts with the the black girls just kind of like you know like punching slapping them for for something that happened 
before I, I don't know what happened yeah, and they're in their and, seats and they're recoiling like they're not they're not trying well, they're to like engage, they're just right? like putting their arms up and just yeah. trying to weather it in which sense i thought like this is a really difficult position for them in the sense that they're boys uh and they're up against girls mm-hmm. and they're also black and the boys are asian they're like there's mm-hmm. so many things that could go wrong yeah but i don't think these like i don't think these um kids these like asian boys who were attacked are thinking about, oh, it's going to be a bad look if this is put on Twitter, right? They're just dealing with the situation as is on the subway. And they're just, like you're saying, we're trying to weather it and get through it. Right? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to say, like, if they were, uh, in, in any case, there's, like, really not much you can do except maybe just, like, yell or something. So, like, at this point, I don't think anyone would be like, oh, they got to fight back. Like, maybe, again, because it's, like, your boys and, and their girls, um whatever so at this point I, I don't think people would have too much problem they might do it but it's when the the 18 year old girl starts uh I, I don't know what she says to to the to the to the black girls i think she probably says something like stop it whatever and eventually they like lead her almost like execution style to like one end of the subway and just start smashing her head against the like plexiglass and then she collapses and then they all start kicking her and that's when the uh, condemnation of the boys for not doing anything, or for that matter, why isn't anyone else on the like who the guy filming it or or woman filming? Why why isn't that person doing anything? But I think uh, no. I'll yeah, go ahead, Philip. I, I'll add that there's a particular part towards the end of the video, at least as much as I watched, where the like the lead girl who is really yelling at the boys, and then the Asian girl, the lead black girl, takes off a shoe and starts like with two hands holding the shoe up and whacking down at the Asian girl right while she's yeah. on the ground with her shoe and is. You know, very very hard to watch um but yeah you're right there is a you know there's a person who's who's um you know taking video of the whole thing there's other bystanders nearby there's a bystander effect right like there's very much so this effect where you're like when something's happening and you're almost in shock and you don't want to do anything about it because maybe you don't want to endanger yourself or maybe you don't think you can help or you maybe you just don't know what to do i think there's yeah. very much so a bystander effect but pe- people who watch a video you know where there's violence like that going on it's easy for them to say, I think, like, oh, you should, like, the boy should have done something to protect the girl or, you know, whatever. But there very much so is this effect where people may not even know how to react to that kind of thing because they're kind of in shock. So, yeah, but there should be an instinctive response to it. And I, I'm not going to toot my own horn. Okay. Uh, I <laughs> am not a fighter. And I, but the closest I've come to are these two incidents that happened when I was in college. Uh, long story short, uh, one time uh, a male friend, um, we were, we were like this, like, you know, those like spring concerts that happen at colleges, mm-hmm. you know, people were kind of like drunk. And then the one guy was like being rude to him and almost a fight broke out. And, and I, you know, I think it's just guys fronting, but my initial reaction was just to have my friends back. And it, mm-hmm. it, it's not like something that went through my head. And the other time I was with some female friends and it was like a drunk, uh, drunk fat guy. And he like threw beer at them. So you know, I just like charged up to that guy and, um, yeah, et cetera. But I think that's what people were expecting. Just this instinctive, like this, like, I don't know, electromagnetic response in your body where your muscles just twitch into action, especially since she's not only of the same race as you, but she was sticking up for you. And even if it's just like, I can't live with myself as a, as a man, if I don't do this kind of thing, if, even if it's kind of like selfish, you should have done something. And I think that's what people were feeling, especially other Asian guys who were, I mean, I was looking at like Reddit, Facebook, like Instagram, and it was just like, 
And granted, you know, those boys were like 14. Um, you know, that's like rather young. But it's just like, well, why, you know, why didn't you even just like run up and and just yell? You know, you didn't yeah, have to like punch, you didn't have to knock out the girls, but you could have just even yelled something. But, but you can see didn't. in the, the beginning of the video that how they were already kind of recoiling in their seats and just trying not to like react or deal with the yeah. assault, the people assaulting them at all. They're not in the mindset at all to do anything. Right. And again, it, I think it's very easy for anyone watching externally to be like, they should have done something. And I, I feel that way too. But you got to understand that like, it's, it's just like, not an everyday event, you know, you don't expect her to do it, you know, you may not want to get hurt. So I, I get why they didn't do it realistically, right? But I also understand why people would look and say, hey, they should have done something, you know? Yeah, I mean, couldn't you, like, as I said, uh, you don't have to clothesline these girls, but, you know, no. why not rally the train to just start yelling at them? Yeah, it's just like something. And who knows, maybe behind the camera, something was going on. Um, but, and, you know, I, I think... I think they will have to, at least for the near future, live with that because I'm sure they've heard through the internet grapevine that everybody's hating on them. I'm sure um, they immediately felt bad about it after they got off the subway, right? It's the same thing as like when you, you're walking around and someone calls you, you know, a slur or says, you know, just insults you and then you don't do anything about it because you're like, I don't want this fucking trouble right now. And then later down the, you know, later in the day or just even minutes later, you're thinking about how you should have done something and then it, it eats you, it eats away at you for a while. Like, I yeah. think it's the same but, kind of thing, but here there's physical violence going on too. So. Yeah, but, but the key difference is it didn't happen to you. And that makes it worse because you let it happen to somebody else who's trying to help yeah. you. So, I, yeah, know, I, I mean, there's extra shame there. And I think also there's shame, there's shame from the viewers, like, you know, yourself or me watching this or all the people who are upset at, at the boys online because they're like, man, you made us look bad. <laughs> Right, you made you made Asians, especially Asian guys, look bad for not standing up and fighting for someone who stood up for you. So I, I again, I get the reaction, but I also understand why they didn't do anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, because it's like it is like an unfair burden placed on those boys in the sense that the thing you do uh, will determine will have such repercussions. Like for example, um, you know about the the Kitty Genovese uh, murder, right? Uh, I the name's familiar. I don't. I don't well, think I, know I think it. it's the event that popularized the term bystander effect. So Kitty Genovese was a young woman um, somewhere in New York City. I forget where, uh, but she was I think like stabbed multiple times, and uh, you know the the facts aren't that clear in my head right now. But anyway, she called for help, and and nobody helped her, and, mm-hmm. and I, I think. That's not exactly what happened, but but the important thing is that it highlighted a real um, thing in society that, that, as you said, the bystander effect is like mm-hmm. when when I think that there's a lot of people, you kind of expect others to do something, and and in that moment's hesitation, you kind of get frozen, and then it's too late because a lot of these things I bet happen in a blur when they're happening right in front of you. But you know, when like that event happened, uh, it wasn't like I don't know a bunch of like white dudes were like, oh man, we just look weak. Or, you know, any other race when they, especially when they let or cause women to get hurt. Like, you know, the countless number of black uh, professional athletes who turn out to be horrific domestic abusers. I don't know if you've seen the Zach Stacy video. Zach Stacy is a former running back. It's horrible. He just completely, I mean, beats up sounds too, too soft a term. He is like body slamming his girlfriend through tables and shit like that. But, you know, you don't really see that burden well for black men definitely more than white men but it's like for for uh, for like those four asian boys to have to represent all of like asian men is an unfair burden on them yeah and, Yet, and, and on, the, on the, the other the, hand um 
the thing to the thing to say about the burden and the thing to say about like the shame that comes from it is, is it's a very masculine framing, right? Like guys online are expecting that these guys on the train should have done something to protect that woman, right? I don't know if women would have the same, like Asian women would have the same reaction to it. Maybe they would, but it does seem like a masculine framing to say that like you should resort to violence to respond to violence. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying like be a pacifist either, but it is, there's very much so a framing of like what should have been done. No, I 100% guarantee you that any Asian woman who saw that thought those boys should have protected her because they were boys. And I think that's just a fact of cause society or biology, but that is... I think just a thing that we have to accept that, you know, men are stronger than women generally. So in those types of situations, it is, yeah, it is our duty, especially if you claim some kind of community as a group. Yeah, you owe that to each other, some reciprocity. And, you know, as a man, one of those duties is, yeah, you see a woman of your community getting attacked, especially after she tried to help you you got to do something as, as to the best of your ability. Like, as I said, these are 14 year old boys. They're not like jacked up, you know, yellow. Yeah, and they were, like the and they were scared World, to begin so. with too, right? Like they were already trying to not fight. Yeah. I mean, like if it's happening to you, that is one thing, right? You deal with it the best way you can and you live with that. But as soon as it spills over to someone else, your obligations change. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think a lot of like Asian guys who are just watching this online. They, they just saw these, four boys and you know i don't know they were probably like projecting all sorts of things he's like you know kind of like slouch shoulder slack jawed guys and and maybe they saw as i said the worst of them themselves in them uh who they fear they are or who they fear they might have been perhaps if you know xyz didn't intervene and and change the course of their lives maybe maybe they discover plan a and, and grow up backbone but yeah, there, I think there was a lot of just like self-reflection going on. I don't know. Have you seen the, um, there's a there's an interview that China Mac did with David So on YouTube. I, I watched it in preparation for this and mm-hmm. China Mac actually starts crying and he refers to these uh, older videos because I, I think this happened earlier in the year. There yeah, were other this videos. Was a, this is when China Mac was like drumming up support for protecting uh Asian seniors, right? Well, it was a bit after that. It was okay. like he did that, I think, in 2020. And then I mm-hmm. think this interview was in 2021 because he talks about how when he started it, no famous Asian American wanted to come on board except for Daniel Wu. He gives credit to Daniel Wu. Right. And then later, especially when like Stop Asian Hate became a thing after the Atlanta spa murders, then it became the trendy thing. And you saw all these Asian Americans come and like take credit and be the face of it but Mm -hmm. when he was doing it um you know back when it was kind of still an icky topic let's say nobody wanted to back him and yeah he talks about these videos uh, where he sees like some elderly asian woman like just being blindsided and there was i think you referred to this in in you know previous talk with me there was like one i think in new york where asian woman just gets randomly punched and they're like some asian guys just like Sitting. Yeah, there are two guys sitting at a table having like they don't do anything. And they're just and kind they're of like, watching. Yeah, and they're trying to Mac. Yeah, he refers to it, and he actually mm-hmm. like starts crying. And David so has to like get him Kleenex, and he's like, "Wow, that you know." He like say what you will about China Mac, and you know, he I, I've heard people like question his motives and stuff, but he was there from the start. His intentions do seem pure, and then you know, I think those tears are real, and it's just yeah. I mean, I like the stop Asian hate thing. It's just so phony. I mean, I'll get back. I get into that a bit later. Uh, yeah, say your piece. 
Um, yeah, I mean, with with China Mac, and and you know what we should get into is like what happens when agents do respond, because right? we've been talking about what happens when they don't respond, shame, projection, all this stuff. And when they do respond, and I think that China Mac and the AWA agents with attitude, you know, crowd, um, the people doing like community patrols and so on in Chinatowns in on the west coast and the east coast, when they start doing stuff, they get shit on. Right. Mm -hmm. And they, they, these days get shit on by people who are like taking up the mantle of the, you know, taking credit for the stop agent eight, um, uh, movement, right. They're saying violence, and this is kind of getting into what we're saying before, like maybe violence is not the answer, right. Or or maybe, you know, having more, um, you know, doing too much is not the answer, right. People were claiming that, um, these community patrols were, um, I forgot who it was. I think, I think it was, um, who was it on Twitter who was talking about how, you know, some of these Asian leaders are saying that uh, people who are doing community patrols are like basically increasing the carceral state, right? Increasing the, the, um, the reach of the carceral state. Like oh, that kind of attitude. are probably saying that. So yeah, you know, exactly, we could throw right? any name out there and probably. Yeah. The blue checks who, who are, have taken up stop Asian hate as their kind of calling card after, you know, OGs like China Mac and the AWA folks that started, um, doing that way way before so so there there very much is very much so is a reaction to when asians do fight back i think that you know where it, it's a very scoldy reaction we're like hey you can't do this it could lead to anti-blackness it may not work you know it's not the answer they don't provide answers as we discussed many times before on this pod but there is a negative reaction from our own leaders um about cases where people do fight back and i, I don't think that's the reason why those two boys in the train didn't fight back i think this is you know all these other effects of being fear, uh, fearful or whatnot. Um, but at a macro level, when you think about things like AWA and, and China Max movement and so on, um, there is a negative reaction to it. Um, and in, in reaction to things like, you know, Asians um, getting strapped, right? Buying guns and, um, you know, going to ranges. You see articles about how it's a, it's this like, you know, um, new movement of uh, Asian Americans, East Coast or West Coast who are, you know, getting armed. Um, and, and it's kind of written in a fear mongery kind of way, like what's going to happen if we keep letting this happen. Uh, and I, yeah, it, it doesn't, it's very tricky and I, I don't know where it's going to end up. We should talk about a couple more videos um, that we've been seeing recently. I actually was confused when we started this pod, you said there's two videos. I thought you meant the, the two videos of the, um, the, the Asian uh, guys who actually oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. had guns and shot back. Oh, yeah. um, the the uh, the one of them being the one with the Uber driver yeah, in Philly, I think in Philly, same as the subway attack. That's right, and and within a week or two too, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who was attacked by a group of robbers, I guess. Yeah. Um, and he was armed or grabbed grabbed the gun from his car, I think, and shot back. He killed one of them and he injured two. Right? I so think he injured one and the other escaped. One was killed. For yeah, sure. one was killed. Right. Yeah. So that was a, a bit of a shocking moment, and then. The other video, I don't think this was circulating as much, but I think it was also on one of these. Like, yeah, I've seen it. I, I haven't been able to, because like the only places you can get info on this stuff is from like Jackfruit or Asian Dawn. Yeah. I think some of these sources are very just like questionable in terms it's of their politics. Sketch. It's definitely but a little sketch. Again, like nobody's really reporting on it. So I have no, I know the second video you're talking about is that like Asian dude in a hoodie who looks like he's getting accosted by a couple of people and then I, and I think they like take his bag and I don't know where he pulls yeah, he's out got a, gun a bag in his stuff. hand and one of them like wax out of his hand right so it's kind of like this you know they're kind of starting to bully him I suppose and he just whips out a pistol and shoots at them and they run yeah, away that that video I, 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 I'm just curious where it comes from like because that, that Asian guy that 
it's clear those are not the first human beings he shot at. He's so casual. He like shoots at them and just so like, it's the opposite. Pick. Yeah, it's the, it's the opposite of the reaction we saw on the subway. You know, the, he it's almost like he's trained to to take out the, his arms, like switch off the the safety and yeah. fire. You know, chamber around yeah, and fire it, it, away. It's clear it's he's done this before, and yeah. he's not because like shooting at another human being is like a monumental event. Like you know, it will stay in your mind. It'll probably haunt you at least for for a little while. But he's just like. Even, even, the, and... even the Uber driver too, going back to his car, like very intentionally going back to his car, pulling out his gun and then shooting at the, at the people um, like that. Yeah. It, it, you know, it takes, like you said, a certain mentality to do that. It also takes training to do that too. Right. Yeah. Knowing how to um, operate a, a, you know, your, your weapon quickly, you know, um, not getting stuck with the safety on like shit like that. Right. Um, and I think it's, I, I try to think about like, especially with these two instances with firearms, like, what how this how it leads up to that event and these are the ones that get recorded too by the way like who knows how often this is happening without um video recording and security footage but i think about how like um uh, i actually have a few friends here in toronto who are um gun nuts they're like canadian gun nuts <laughs> and um they're they're not asian they're they're white and um they a couple of them have, took me up to a, a range recently um in gormley ontario which is like a small town a couple hours north of toronto to go, you know, shoot guns, right? And I remember going there and um, there weren't a lot of folks there because it was COVID, um, but there were a few other groups um, alongside us. And one of them was like an Asian couple. So uh, like a guy and this girl, and, you know, he's trying to shoot, show her how to operate a firearm. And there's another group, there's just two Asian guys. Um, and they had like fancy shit, right? They had like various pistols, long arms, that kind of stuff. Um, and I was talking to my buddy about this on, on the drive back. And he was like, yeah, actually a lot of people, because he goes regularly to this range, a lot of people who go up there, like there's a demographic of folks who go up there who are um, Asian. And I think they're often like first gen or 1.5 gen, you know, often students going to U of T or whatever in Toronto and they get into firearms and stuff. And so what I'm trying to point out is that like, look, if, if people are getting, like if Asians are getting strapped in Canada... <laughs> Yeah, of all places where it's really friggin' hard to get a gun, you know for sure that there's a lot of folks in the states, um, you know, first gen, one point five, second gen, I don't know, right? Who are who are armed and are training, not just armed, but training to to fire a firearm and uh, to operate a firearm, and that's why instances like this, these two record instances, happen because there's enough people who, you know, know how to defend themselves and then choose to defend themselves too. Yeah. So, in Canada, I, I'm just picturing you guys with like sawed-off hunting rifles. <laughs> that's uh, that's how you roll for personal protection. But I I saw that Philly um video is so haunting, like because like the noise from that gun is so violent. I don't yeah. even know if that was a pistol. He gets off like it sounds like at least ten shots. I don't think it's just like a six shooter, you know, like a revolver. Yeah. It sounds automatic. It's so fast. Guns are guns are scary, man. And I, I don't know, like maybe a lot of our listeners are already, you know, into into gun ranges and stuff. As a Canadian, when I did this, even with my buddies, it was the second time I've, I've uh, fired, you know, fire, operated firearms, and I was like, it's very scary. Like it's, a, and and so I think it it does take a certain amount of training and a certain mindset to be like the guy in Philly right to go and get strapped and shoot at people who are trying to rob you right yeah but anyway um well maybe it was like a glock and it holds like 19 rounds or something but he shoots it and then you hear one of the guys who i think got shot being like like please 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 and then um 
I saw this like second video. It's this is like really just haunting. It's I think two of the guys who got shot and they're just like mm-hmm. lying in the driveway. And one the guy, I think the guy who dies is like, like, I'm dying, I'm dying. And he starts calling out to his mom. And he's just like, oh, God man. damn. It's just it, it was just very just dark to see that. Uh, but yeah, and and then you think if that you know, he looked like he was delivering food, so he must have been like an Uber Eats driver. If he didn't have a gun, there's a good chance he he would have died himself. Maybe, or maybe he would just be robbed. This is the thing, right? Maybe he would just be robbed of his like cash or whatever. Yeah, but I mean, that, that, that's and, still and no one gets murdered bad. in that case. So, I mean, in part, in part, why this is controversial, and I think why it's you know interesting to think about the repercussions of this, right? And how Asians react to Asians defending themselves is that someone was killed by an Asian person. And maybe that wouldn't have happened if that Asian person didn't think to defend themselves. But they very, very much so have the right to do so because they're living in a violent city where people are out to get them to, to attack them, rob them, and so on, right? No, and even, are, no, no, it's not even that. It's what, he got a gun pulled on him. At that point, you don't know if they're just going to let you live. You have every right to fire back. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think this is a an issue about you know concealed carry kind of thing. It's it's more like. If you attack an Asian person, does that Asian person have a right to potentially kill you? And of I think, they, I mean, they have the same right as anybody else would. Right. But I think the difference yeah. is that people would, other Asian people would look at that and be like, "We shouldn't be doing that. We shouldn't be." Yeah, no, no, I know exactly. You know? Is, that's, that's exactly my point. Yeah. Where other people would more so stick up for their own community. I think. I mean, like Tina just talked about this in our in the last episode, so I, no need to reiterate what what they said, but. You know that famous um, Thucydides saying, like, the strong will do what they can and the weak must suffer what they must. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I say that not because I read ever read Thucydides, but because I play a lot of Rome Total War. <laughs> and that's one of the quotes that they often Shows like, up show. up on the loading screen, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that is essentially the, the attitude that people have towards Asian Americans, especially other Asian Americans, is that... Well, you know, that's sad, um, but hey, it's it's just like you're our lot in life here. We must suffer what we must, and mm-hmm. um, if we're lucky, we'll become acceptable enough to like non-Asians, especially white people, to gain their protection, primarily probably through something like intermarriage or, you know, friends, which is probably the next best thing. Uh, but by ourselves, it, it's just like, even when we get attacked, our right to defend ourselves is going to be very limited. Um, and, and and I just know it's only time for there's like a, an Asian American Bernard Getz incident. Um, what was in that? Which, you I mean, this... like a, a court case where like the, the Asian American loses in for defending themselves? Like well, what happened in that case? Well, do you know what the Bernard Getz case is? No. Okay, so in 1984, and this is like when New York City was like really cd and and no mm-hmm. you know it's not it's not like the the kind of like disneyland it is now uh the subways were notoriously dangerous people mm-hmm. get mugged and and, mm-hmm. and probably murdered and raped there and then bernard Getz was this guy who had gotten like attacked on the streets before so he got a gun mm-hmm. and he was on on the train and then i think uh three black teenagers uh like th- this is like the controversial part. I don't want to get bogged down in the details, but they like, oh, I think actually there were four of them. They like sat down on both sides of him and one of them at- said, you know, do you have $5? And then the thing 
was they said that they were just at basically panhandling and and bernard Getz said uh you know these uh the look in their eyes were like they're gonna they were gonna rob me so he pulls <laughs> out the gun and he shoots at them uh i think he hits a couple doesn't ki- doesn't kill anyone but one one kid he uh um, like disabled for life you know, like shot him in the spine mm-hmm. and the really controversial part is that there and there's like there's like debates over what happened but the, the last guy he shot uh supposedly he walked up to him and, and said something like oh you look fine here's another one and then he shoots him so that's where people were like okay i think they were with him if he was defending himself but if you did shoot the other kid while he was basically unarmed and at your mercy you've that's like that's not even vigilantism. That's just like you're just like a like a murderer at that point, right? So you know there there's like a lot of controversy, but a lot of people did admire him in that he finally took he was like a normal guy, a civilian taking a stand against like a police and a government that was doing nothing to protect innocent uh, citizens from from crime. And yeah, I'm but, just, I'm, but, I'm, but I'm also sure a lot of white people were the ones who you know admired him because they're like, yeah, like they stuck you know he stuck it to these like black assailants. Right. I'm sure there's a racial angle to it that you can't deny. Which yeah, is why I'm sure there's a racial right? angle, but I was, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there were a lot of like, it was like a cross-racial thing because right? a lot of people yeah, were like calm. fed up with the crime. So definitely, um, I'm just wondering, like, if there's like an Asian guy who, or a woman um, who basically like, let's say, executes somebody who tries to attack them. And it's like this borderline self-defense slash like revenge kind of thing. I don't know. I think it's only a matter of time before somebody does it. It just, yeah, I, I, what will I we do? Completely agree with you. And I think that second video, right? Like the guy with the bag in the hallway, you know, kind of make, kind of is not borderline that kind of scenario, but it makes me think of that because I'm like, did he really have to pull his gun and shoot some, like shoot at these guys? Like, it looks like he might've hit the first guy because all they did was they, they slapped the bag out of his, you know, they weren't pointing a gun at him. Mm-hmm. Unlike in the, the Uber driver case, right? They just slapped his bag out of his hand, pissed him off. And he responded by shooting at them. So, and I'm not sure what the race of the assailants were, and I'm not sure there's a racial angle there from that, you know, from that regard. I'm also not sure if they attacked him because he's Asian, but we can only speculate there, right? But, but you, you know, you're right in that it, we're we're getting closer and closer to the possibility of that happening, and it's kind of scary to think about how that would be perceived by everybody at that point, right? Yeah, I think I think Asian Americans are going to. Um, I mean, like obviously, you don't want somebody like summarily executing anybody, even people who attack you. But like Asian Americans will have done so little to basically protect their own community that it's like, well, what did you kind of expect to happen? That's right. And and that's what these that's what these like instant instances of guys with Asian guys with guns, you know, and, and the, the general trend of Asians getting strapped is a response to it's kind of like roof koreans 2.0 you know but like happening not just in one specific event the la riots but like happening kind of broadly in america um and in part because america makes getting firearms so easy uh compared to other places um it's happening in response to you know all the all the senior violence right and see the elderly aren't going to be the ones with the guns but i think younger people who you know may may be open to having a firearm would see those instances of elderly people being attacked and think, oh, as an Asian person, I'm threatened. I need to defend myself. I'm gonna gonna get a license, get a firearm, keep it on me, and that could lead to some uh, fiery event at some point. So yeah, and and you know, again, the, the reaction to that has not been very positive so far, right? It's, and you can only imagine it's gonna be much worse when 
you know, an event like what you described happens, uh, which feels almost in inevitable if this keeps up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I think it's just something we're going to just, just keep having to keep talking about. I mean, I, you know, it's like we shouldn't be talking about it. We should be like doing something, um, especially those with influence and power. Right. But it's just a lot of, you know, just, you know, like it's like sorry for dying, you know, sorry for getting attacked kind of mentality. Yeah. Uh, sorry for, you know, screwing up the the kind of uh, like liberal ideal world you're trying to create by existing and getting attacked. Sorry about that. Complete bullshit. And then, you know, I, I've said many times, if it were the type of, you know, blue check type of Asian Americans who are bearing the brunt of these attacks, I'm sure we'd be hearing a very different story. I mean, these are the people who get like mean tweets and they think uh, they write like articles about it, about how, you know, this is literally violence. Mm -hmm. um, but actual literal violence, they're like, eh. <laughs> Yeah, what, and when I, this, that's a good point to call out like what specific groups of Asians are, are involved here, right? Because I th when I think about Asian Americans who are willing to get firearms, that's why I brought up that the, the people I saw, at least at the range here in, in, in Canada, were like maybe one first, first gen of 1.5G, you know, I don't know what the situation was with like the Uber driver or the guy in the hallway in those videos in the U.S. Well, if you're like an Uber East Asian driver, you're probably kind of like an immigrant. Probably, um, right? Yeah. It's going to be basically what I'm getting is it's going to be people who don't give a fuck about the like the Asian American liberal establishment. They don't give a fuck about the kind of like perception of being a armed Asian, right? And being all for 2A rights, right? They're, they're just going to do what they need to do to defend themselves because maybe they've seen that no one else is helping. Yeah. yeah, if you're like a, a 2G uh, Asian American in like a, you know, liberal circle and you say you have a gun, you probably might as well admit you're like a pedophile or something. You probably get ostracized. and Yeah, it's not people, a good look, yeah, right? Yeah. But, but I also think that the kind of 2G guys who do have guns are, are going to lean a little more towards the, you know, Asians with attitude, AWA mindset of like kind of being like, fuck it, we're going to do something about it. Right. Yeah. And, and they're not, they're a little bit more working class. They're a little bit less aligned with like, you know, liberal Asian thinking. Um, and so, you know, can you really blame them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, for final topic, uh, you wanted to talk about the uh, Arthur Martinovich uh, murders of those three Asian men in Brooklyn, because I mean, what, what happened with him recently? Like the, the footage? Not yeah, released, so when, right? when you and Liza share that video of the, the guy in the hallway um, who got like harassed mm -hmm. and then shot back, I, I looked at, I think it was Jackfruit or whatever, one of those, you know, kind of sketchy Instagram sites. And I, I looked at what they had posted recently. And in addition to that video, they had some footage that was recently released from the security cameras uh, of the Brooklyn Hammer attacks. Um, and I was just watching it and I remember putting it on for about like five to 10 seconds. And I see him, you know, take out his hammer and kill basically hit and probably kill the first guy and i just stopped watching it i couldn't watch the whole thing like it yeah i don't want I, I for don't some reason that. that was even particular like more gut-wrenching to watch than like you know elderly folks being attacked maybe because i understand how fucked up everything around it was not just the murder themselves but like the fact that no one really said anything about it right since this happened and the fact that of course arthur What's his last name? Martinovich or whatever. Martinovich, yeah. Got away, um, you know, with his, with, uh, I felt it was through a deal or a plea or whatever, but he basically got away with it. And I think all that made it very, very hard to like watch this new footage that came out. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And, and I, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, in the, in the last pod, uh, Tina and Jess talked about how why the hell are we so fixated on Vincent Chin when there's so many uh, horrific things that could have supplanted it. And the, mm-hmm. I guess now we have the Atlanta spa murders that came up, but this this attack should have been the Atlanta spa murders before the Atlanta spa murders happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there was something before it that we just we ourselves don't even know because it's kind of like buried. But this was so blatantly racially motivated. Mm-hmm. The guy clearly said he was targeting not, you know, not just Asians, but Asian men. And, you know, for very just like racist, deluded reason. It's absolutely brutal. The kind of thing that captures, you know, we're like a true crime obsessed nation. And, uh, you know, the, the way he carried out the attack is the type of thing that pe- it will stick in people's minds. Yet you know, a lot of Asian Americans ourselves don't know about this. And it's mm-hmm. because like the reasons he stated, which was to protect Asian women from the clutches of evil Asian men because of some movies he saw. I think, I think he's like kind of insane or whatever, but still like he, he wasn't imagining these movies exist. This sentiment exists. Of yeah. This is a very, to- this is a very well-known stereotype that gets perpetuated, right? That Asian men are uniquely patriarchal and dangerous. Yeah, I mean, you know, see, see Frankie Huang, you know, and then that's precisely the reason that it could not become the new Vincent Chin, because like Vincent Chin, as we said in the last pod, uh, you know, checks out, you know, the attackers, their motives. Uh, it doesn't contradict anything that, you know, the Asian blue check crowd or like white liberals want to say, um, same with the Atlantic spa murders. Uh, but this one crossed some lines, you know, and this can't be. The basis of like a, a stop Asian hate thing because all right so who is like I, I mean as much as I think a figurehead of the stop Asian hate movement is I don't think there is one but I think the one that has been appointed by the media is Kathy Park Hong because her book Minor Feelings I think really took off in the whole stop Asian hate thing she got named in like Time uh, Times most influential list in 2021 she like wrote the the entry for like the stop Asian hate founders. Who, who I guess kind of got the, the mini BLM treatment. And I mean, I mean I'll, I'll read something she tweeted and quickly deleted, but I mean, she tweeted it, she clearly believes it. Said, MR Asians are the fallout of Asian men who are treated like kings at home and then like nobodies once they left their mama. Rather than blame that on whiteness, they go after Asian women. Hope someone writes that story that the reason some AAPI women date men uh, outside their race is because they don't want a repeat of their toxic, abusive, patriarchal families where sons were kings while daughters didn't matter much at all. So it's like picture she's painting is basically like the Joy Luck Club where, you know, the son gets fat and, and you know, gets all the best food and the girls are sent to like scrub the floors and then uh, sold off as like the fifth wife of the local magnate. You know, this is this is a person that has been allowed to become the, the voice of Stop Asian Hate. Therefore, there's no way in hell that something like the the Brooklyn Hammer murders could become the central event of any organized um, movement to stop Asian American hate because the type of people whom they would appoint as the head of such a movement espouse beliefs that are not that different from like an Arthur Martinovich attitude. Right. The, The thing that she wrote there is precisely the kind of thing that Arthur Martinovich would read and then decide to commit his murders. Yeah, so it's a, it's a total travesty how that event has just become totally forgotten because it's very uh, troublesome to to the narrative that we are allowed to establish for our community. 
yeah, not a whole lot more to say about that. I mean, I hope we did. <laughs> I hope that the Brooklyn Hammer attacks don't come up again. I mean, if they're not going to come up at all, I just, I just don't want to hear about it because it's very, very tough to to stomach. You know, not just the footage, but the whole story around. You know, what what's what what has not been said about um, these murders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I've said everything I want to say about. Oh, well, okay. One one last thing I thought was very interesting. Uh, this is going back to the Philly subway attack on the uh, Asian girl. I saw like some debates uh, spring up uh, in Asian online spaces about blaming the, the boys passivity on their fobbiness. Mm. I, I like the details aren't clear. I heard that they were actually second generation, uh, but you know, whatever. The more interesting thing is trying to pass this potato. Cause I'm assuming these are mostly like second generation Asian American guys who are online saying basically if only those were Asian Americans, they would have stopped. St- stuck up for that girl. Yeah, and first based gen- on what evidence? First generation would never call people fobbies. So it's going to be definitely second gen guys, right, who are saying this. Uh, yeah, and, and it's like based on what evidence? Because you know what, the, the violence against Asian students in Philly is, is a problem that's de- been in the news, uh, at least in the news, for over a decade. And there were two groups of students who actually did something about it. First guy uh, is guy, a guy named like Duong Lee or Lai, a Vietnamese immigrant student. And then uh, after that, it was, uh, I think, a bunch of Chinese immigrant students who created these organizations that were trying to bring this issue to light. Because, mm-hmm. And, and I, when I first heard this, I was thinking, of course, they were immigrants and fobs, because if you're a second generation Asian American, you probably knew that you're not supposed to say anything. Even if you get attacked, you're supposed to both sides it or help, maybe even blame the, the victims for being white adjacent or anti-black. And you're supposed to just shut up and and I don't know at best create a dialogue or something. But these these immigrant kids did something because they either weren't aware or didn't care. So I thought it was quite rich for second generation Asian Americans to act as if um, you know it, it was it was the the international or, or fobby students who of course would be the the passive ones. When as I said, all events probably points to the contrary. Yeah, it's it's, inter- it's an interesting kind of uh, buck passing, right? Because it's it's almost like trying to wash away the shame. Yeah, no, exactly. Of, uh, There's a lot of shame, and you know, you just, you should own up to it and do something about it. Uh, but you know, trying to pass the buck on to somebody else and just it's just you know, pathetic. Uh, yeah, and uh, okay, so I think that's that's everything I have to say. Um, any anything you, Philip? No, I mean, I think this is going to come up again because I, I, I don't think this is the end of these sorts of incidents happening, right? Um, uh, w- what is interesting, though, is that like all the events we talked about, well, not all of them, but largely there were violence against um, Asian Americans who are not elderly, right? Which we don't um, hear about as much uh, because they don't kind of fit with the whole stop Asian hate narrative, but they are very real events that keep happening. Um, I wonder if we're going to see more and more of them. Uh, as time goes on well delivery men have always been an easy target and yeah. they're generally able-bodied uh asian men uh, but they're also immigrants uh often probably working class lower class mm-hmm. um you know you just don't see a lot of like attacks on you know like kind of like your standard second generation asian american guys yeah, it's, it's, I guess this, this episode has been more about like attacks on Asian Americans who can defend themselves because with the elderly, we, they kind of can't. But in all the cases we talked about here, they can and sometimes they do, like in the case of the, the Yellow Hulk 
sometimes they don't like in or the, the delivery the man who shot the yeah or, or, or and then sometimes yeah and sometimes they, they they do so with with maybe you know someone say too much force like in the case of the delivery guy or the the guy in the hallway right so it's a it's a different spectrum we're talking about here with with uh, violence against asian folks than mm-hmm. than the elderly yeah okay i think that wraps it up for this uh episode so yeah i mean these like obviously i think we'd rather be talking about less dark stuff but i mean i think this is what's on people's minds so we should talk about it and yeah i think i think if the solution were easy people would have come up with it by now but at the very least we should not have our own so-called community leaders um trying to downplay this and um you know just just pretending it's not happening because all they're really doing i mean they'll claim that it's some kind of egalitarian uh racial harmony ideal but what they basically don't want to do is disrupt their social circles and they're asking the asians who are getting attacked to pay the price for it and when the asians paying the price for it be like what the fuck that's such a fucking bad deal for us then they get accused of being anti-black or selfish or whatever it's absolute bullshit yeah i'm I'm glad we are talking about this dark shit right because this is exactly the kind of stuff like these angles that don't get talked about by the um the, the kathy park hongs of the you know, blue check stop Asian hate uh, supporters. So it, it is good and, and people should talk about it more. The, the only trouble I think is like whether or not the way it gets raised through these like sites like Jackfruit and stuff and Asian Dawn, I'm not super sold on them. You know, there's a lot of people who talk about how they like highlight too much uh, black and Asian violence, not enough white and Asian violence, which we know exists. So yeah, but you know, despite all that trouble, troublesome um, parts of the narrative, it, it's still worth talking about. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, uh, Philip, thanks for joining me on this evening for this pod. And uh, thank you listeners for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back shortly with our bonus episode. And, you know, keep keep listening and we will keep, keep making. All right. Bye, everyone. See ya.